Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! Hey, everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Cardi. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two fandoms of a book or movie or TV show or something and mash them up and and drink that delicious fandom smoothie. Mm-hmm. We see what the thematic crossovers are. We make a an actual crossover and we make some best buddies and kisses and battles it was a very thorough description yeah so So get ready that is your table of contents for this episode (laughs) good night everybody (laughs) but annie what if the two properties are spooky Ooh, (laughs) spooky episode i mean do we still want to want to endeavor down a spooky path fortunately it's not too spooky for those of us who are not of the spooky persuasion. That's how we do Halloween in the McGough household. Yes, from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> and with a healthy dose of humor as well. Exactly. Um, yeah, last year we pitted Harry Potter against the Great Old Ones. Yeah, which worked out pretty well. Yeah, and this year I think we're taking, I would say, a cozier turn. Co- yeah, I mean, at least cozier than the old ones. Um, yeah. But... There's nothing cozy about Cthulhu. No, Um I mean, there are a lot of dead bodies. Oh, that's true. And um, and surreal, surreal, scary villains. That's true. Yeah. So you know, we're still we're edging up to the spooks. Yeah, it's just as close to the spooks as I like to go. I feel like it's like a spook level that is appropriate for like an eight to ten year old. <laughs> that's just as close to the spooks that's as us. I like. Yeah, I'm that's in where the, we like to get. I'm squarely in the PG spook level. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and go ahead and make a great, great big old PG Halloween mashup. Um, what are we talking about today? So today we are mashing up Arsenic and Old Lace and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Possibly our longest title to date of an episode. Well, The Nightmare Before Christmas really helps that. It's true. It, there's a lot, a lot of words Like arsenic on old laces four words. It's oh, not yeah. too bad. But it's not like arsenic. Like it's not like one of those really dramatic one to one word titles. Like Luther. Luther. It's not like Luther. <laughs> Luther meets uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas gets real dark. It's true. Oh, Everything yeah. with Luther gets real dark. Mm-hmm. Although it just Elba and Claymation would be pretty delightful. I, would, I think you'd be actually a great voice actor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I, he has to have done some voice acting. I, some I would hope so. If not, call him up, Clay, yeah. Clay team. <laughs> team Rank, Clay. Rankin Bass. Rankin Bass. Get him in there. Rankin Bass. <laughs> Rankin Bass, the name of the cleric in our D&D group. Yep. Just shout out, guys. Yay. We're awesome. For a very small subset of humanity who is now loving this episode. Yay. Hurrah. Um, but yeah, Annie, why don't you start us off by telling us about Arsenic Old Lace? Yeah, so Arsenic and Old Lace is a dark comedy slash farcical play by Joseph Kesselring. Um, it opened on Broadway in 1941 and turned into a film of the same name in 1944. Um, the film version was directed by Frank Capra and starred Cary Grant, Swoon. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, For the most part, the film follows the play pretty closely, so I'll be talking about both versions, uh, like, interchangeably. Nice. Uh, Beginning the theme for the evening, I did not realize this movie was directed by Frank Capra. Yeah, I actually didn't either. I literally have the movie, and I don't think I realized that it was directed by Frank Capra. It feels a little more, like, acid-y, like, acid comedy than what he does. Like, Like, or it has a, it has, like, a sharper edge to it. Well, he did, um, which I will talk about later in the comments, um the uh or you can't take it with you mm-hmm. which isn't like oh that's true sharper edge but it has that kind of wacky family yeah very farsi far, then, like farsi edge and i mean i think this was early on in his got it career or at least it was oh, it was probably. at a time when um yeah it was like these were very popular plays that yeah. he was developing in movies it was like pre and during war as yeah to it's a wonderful mm-hmm. life which is, which is just war. yeah because that jimmy stewart that was his first kiss on the screen post-war not oh. his first kiss in general i, I was gonna he, say he really waited a long time know, right? <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna Man. wait until lots of people are watching me on a film it's set like, come on jimmy people like you i mean like you could get a date yeah i bet war or row oh that's my jimmy stewart that's a good jimmy stewart thanks that's all i got <laughs> um so uh, the the story of Arsenic and Old Lace follows the Brewster family living in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Mortimer Brewster, a theatrical critic, lives with his two elderly aunts and a brother who thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, Mortimer has promised to elope with Elaine Harper, daughter of the minister next door, only to find out that his adorable aunts have actually been murdering elderly old lonely gentlemen all this time. We've and, all been there. Yeah, right. And then getting Teddy to bury them in the basement um, where Teddy believes uh, the Panama Canal is. So he thinks yeah. the bodies have expired from like um, malaria, yep, malaria, right? and and like just goes down and buries them, yep. and the aunts can keep murdering old men as they wish. Mm-hmm. Um, so mortar. Oh, and and also they've got a recently deceased body in the window seat right now. Oh yeah, just waiting. Yeah, so that's how Mort- Mortimer like opens the window seat. He thinks that Teddy has killed the body, and the aunts are like, "Oh no, he's one of ours." And Mortimer <laughs> is like, "What do you mean?" Yeah, which is like they're so frank and upfront about it. Yeah, exactly. It's they're just, just so pleasant because mm-hmm. they think they're doing a service. They're like. These guys are lonely. Um, they're older. They don't have anyone left in their lives. Yeah. Like, why should they waste away? They're like the Dr. Kevorkians of Brooklyn exactly. in the 1940s. If we don't take care of them, they're just going to wind up on the internet. And that's how you get Gamergate. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Take them out, on Lonely dudes. Um, so Mortimer is trying to figure out how to deal with his well-meaning meaning, but murderous aunts when his older brother, his other brother, um, a serial killer named Jonathan, shows up at the Brewster home with his drunk plastic surgeon companion, Dr. Einstein. What a family. Hi-o. Um, Jonathan discovers that the aunts have killed just as many people as he has and is determined to one-up them on Mortimer. Oh no! I know. I forgot about that part. Yeah, he's like, not just looking for anybody. No, he. Well, he's in the house and he's gonna get Doctor Einstein to change his face again. Right. But then he he realizes that the aunts have killed just as many people as he has, and he's like, "I'm gonna kill the most people." I'm gonna so, run off and the that, score. And I also hate my my do-gooder brother. Yeah. Who's adorable as Cary Grant? I don't like theater critics. Yeah, I mean that's a thing. We'll mm. talk about that later. Yeah. Um. So Mortimer spends the play trying to avoid Jonathan and Doctor Einstein, keeping lane away from the house navigating the local police and getting teddy to admitted to a a sanitarium to cover for his aunt's murders um 
Mortimer also worries that he shouldn't marry Elaine since he comes from such a banana pants murderous family. A reasonable concern. Totally reasonable. But then he finds out that he was adopted, so all is well. Um, door slamming, hilarious hijinks ensue. Yeah, I feel like you can tell it's a farce when there are serial killers and the protagonist's main action word is avoid. It's yeah. Not, it's yeah. not like stop or prevent or just or like just fight just, or fight just oh like God, stay out of the way. Just, yeah. And <laughs> honestly, this really is just the door slammingest mm-hmm. like murder mystery you could ask for. Yeah. It's such a great piece of machinery. It is. Um, so for characters, we've got Mortimer Brewster, a drama critic and guy trying to hold it all together. Aunt Abby and Aunt Martha Brewster, elderly sisters who like to poison old men. Oh, no. Elaine Harper, neighbor of the Brewsters and Mortimer's fiance. Teddy Roosevelt Brewster, who's really chosen a great president to be. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to bother yourself on somebody. Like, tip, tip of the hat to Teddy Roosevelt yeah, Brewster. Tip of the safari pith helmet. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Brewster, a serial killer and all-around creepy guy. Um, and they make reference to the fact that he looks like Boris Karloff, or rather Frankenstein, played mm-hmm. by Boris Karloff. And apparently in the original cast run... Um, Boris Karloff played Jonathan Brewster. So that it was is like, awesome. yeah, like a real nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink to the audience. Get it, everybody? Yeah. Um, Dr. Einstein? No, not that Einstein. <laughs> Very different Einstein. Very different Einsteins. Um, and then several local police officers, um, Brophy O'Hara and Rooney. Um, we've got like the guy who runs the sanitarium, the judge that they have to get to sign the paperwork. Like yeah. a few other characters pop up, but these are our main guys. Back in the 40s, you could have somebody come on and just have a few lines and then get 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 off stage. Which so. actually makes this a great play for high school and mm-hmm. local theater productions because Absolutely. you have a lot. I mean, I'll talk about this later, but like you have a lot of great characters and then you have those people who come on for one line and then their parents applaud. Yeah, but uh, I also I also thought of a joke. Wh- you could say that Doctor Einstein's understanding of morality is relative. Hi-oh. Continue. <laughs> e equals M C murder and murder squared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, that one worked real well. Absolutely. Um. So themes. Um. Family will drive you crazy. Mortimer already knows that his family is less than stable, thanks to his brothers, um, but this makes him realize that the whole Brewster line is a bunch of murdering psychopaths. It's an important thing to learn in your life before yeah. you get married, preferably. Yeah. Oh, seriously. Um, but he still loves his aunts and Teddy and wants to make sure that they're okay. Um, fun side note, Kessel Ring wrote this as a response to isolationist sentiment pre-America's involvement in World War II. Um, That's fascinating. Isn't it weird? Because I yeah. guess, like, you know, there was all this... The isolationist propaganda of like war, mm-hmm. you know Europe's heading back into another like great war. Right. We don't want to be we involved wanna, in this. Yeah, we're not. We don't have responsibility for them. We're yeah. taking care of our own stuff. So um, is Mortimer America? No. Well, the um, the Brewster family apparently they mentioned that they're like descendants from the Mayflower. So Mortimer is like we're like real American people and we're bananas. We can't hold our nice. stuff together. And we've got to do something about this. Yeah, and yeah. and I guess like. I get Mortimer's not like the Mer- America, but it's more yeah. like the Brewsters are examples of America. Right, they're true Americans, and they want yet, to make America great again. Yeah, and like murder. they're they're yeah bananas, and like we shouldn't be pots calling kettles black. <laughs> throw pot kettle <laughs> throw, stones. Throwing pot kettle stones. <laughs> um, which actually, like as you know, I read this in sixth grade and like yeah. watched the movie and like. That's like, really awesome, it's, Yeah, but, like, I, I liked that it was this, like, 
you know, not totally overt political play, but it has this little nudge in it of like, America, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that and the was, rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. Well, then, like, we shouldn't think of ourselves as so much better. It's like we exactly. everybody has problems. We can help each other deal with problems. Mm-hmm. And the problems were World War Two. So you know, yeah. so that's a problem worth dealing yeah, with. Yeah, totally. Um, another theme is nature versus nurture. Um, Mortimer is worried that he'll turn out like his family, um, but fortunately, he's not related to them by blood. So I guess that's a win. Yeah, it sort of comes down in the squishy middle of the nature versus nurture yeah. question. Um, but you know, again, like he loves his family, right. even if he is not literally related to them. He's just a decent dude. Yeah, and uh, he wants to make sure that they are okay, minus Jonathan, who yeah. will be okay in jail. Right, he'll be perfectly okay in exactly. jail. Exactly. He'll probably thrive. Oh, totally. Um, and theatricality is kind of a, a big theme here. The play has a lot of fun with being a play. Um, it's got that great door slammy farcical sense, but it also refers to plays and playwrights throughout, thanks to Mortimer being a theater critic. Um, like there's one scene where I think uh, Jonathan and Dr. Einstein have tied Mortimer to a chair. And a police officer walks in and Mortimer's like, oh, thank God, I get, I'm going to be freed. I'm not going to be like murdered in my own home. And the police officer is like, you said you were going to meet me down at the police station so I could talk to you about my play. And you know what? I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now. And Mortimer's like, oh, God. Yeah. yeah, I feel like this is one of the only examples I can think of of someone writing a critic character in a play or like or in a movie even and making it really just like fun and work oh, and not totally. feel like sour grapes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like. I, I think Mortimer, like, there's definitely, you know, a little nudge nudge at him, mm-hmm. but he is, again, ultimately a good person. Yeah, and, and it's on his side. Yeah, it's on his side, but it's also on the play's side. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not saying that people who write plays are silly, but it's like, we live in a weird world of right. plays and playwrights. Right, it's like, look at how wacky this yes. is. Yes. Um, so things that I like and think other people will like. Um, it's this great combination of wacky fun and like spooky scary. Spooky. Ooh. Um, Jonathan and Dr. Einstein are like a little creepy. Um, they're serial killers, but the play and the movie have so much fun with the material and that you're never really worried that people are gonna get like cut on stage. Yeah. Um and it's also the ideal modern farce. Like, it has all these misconnections and misinterpretations and door slams, but they're all handled with a lot of thought and everything builds on itself really well. It never, like, falls into the absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it maintains its own reality. Yeah, exactly. And it, I mean, at least in a good production of it, you can have this great speed mm-hmm. um, and like you can hit the timing really well and everything again just builds to this head of all these characters coming together without feeling like there's no reason these characters would not be running into each other totally um also i think most importantly the characters are so fun and memorable um like i think a lot of farces forget that character is important or rather like all the characters are important Mm -hmm. not just the main character um and i love everyone in this show like like I was saying, it's all, it's a great one for schools or local communities to do because it gives a lot of people a chance to shine. Um, and I, like, in doing the notes for this episode, I was like, okay, so there's Mortimer, there's the aunts, 
there's Mortimer's fiance, there's Teddy, there's Jonathan, there's Dr. Einstein. Like, I could remember all the main characters. Totally. And sometimes that's not the case with books or movies. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that guy and that guy. Yeah, I feel like it's a good reminder that especially in farce, like, if you give every character, if every character, even the smallest ones, have, like, a thing. Yeah. Then it's just an opportunity that you can use later on down the line. Oh, Because totally. there's so many characters, like, erroneous and funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Oh, or that's like, a good one. Or, like, the cops in this one who, like, are very minor characters in the grand scheme, but they get get like really fun show-stopping moments because yeah. the audience forgets about them. Yeah. And then they come back and it's like, oh, he's got the thing. Like yeah. it's such a good oh, exactly. fun tool. And you you know that they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. You're not just like the and then cops burst in, I guess. It's yeah. like it's like Chekhov's oh, comedy. Yeah, relief. like everything in this world exists for a reason and then you just get them heightened to the most hilarious degree. Mm-hmm. Um and actually, I remember in sixth grade, we read this in class, and I was cast as... I was hoping um, you would talk about oh, this. Oh, yeah. Like, I got to read as... Um, I think I was Aunt Martha. I can't remember. I was one of the aunts. And, like, it was me and this other red-headed girl. So, obviously, <laughs> we were... The, I think the teacher was like, great, you look alike. Two sisters. Great. Two sisters. Um, it was so fun. Like... Very like it's the part you were born to play. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure I could actually try out for it at some point, because, again, I'm sure a lot of communities... I think it Community pops up fairly theaters frequently. do this. Maybe give it a few years first. I don't know that you're a super convincing Aunt Martha quite yet. What are you talking about? It's my you, type. You don't look old. And murderous. And murderous. Well, I didn't say that. I Thank didn't say you. that. I said age. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is set on Halloween, right? Well, I know that the movie is definitely set on Halloween. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't find reference to the play being set on Halloween. And Got I it. think I have a copy at home, like my parents' home. But Well, it's a smart adaptation choice if yeah. it was just the movie. Because it's a very good Halloween oh, movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. I always consider it a Halloween movie because there are there are literal serial killers in it so why not absolutely um and then it's also at least in the movie set on halloween but you still get to look at cary grant who's adorable yeah he's delightful um so yeah what about um some delightful nightmares before christmas yeah the movie that is mostly set not on halloween yeah Um, that's true yeah although it sort of is because we're going to halloween town this is Halloween. This, this is, is Halloween. 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 Hello. Halloween. <laughs> the lyrics are really not complicated. No. <laughs> um, the uh, so Nightmare Before Christmas uh, is a 1993 claymation film uh, written and directed by Henry Selick. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, directed by Henry Selick off of uh, a story uh, by Tim Burton, who also produced it. I have spent my entire life until today thinking that Tim Burton directed this movie. Uh, but yeah, but honestly, I, um, I would have thought so as well. Yeah, he had a huge amount of creative control, obviously, and he and Selleck developed it together. But um, he ultimately both had to go film Batman Returns and also uh, did not want to deal with the time of claimation. Yeah, that, that I mean, it takes. it takes like 14 years. Yeah, it's a very involved like, process. Like you you wake up Rip Van Winkle and he's like, aren't you done with that claymation movie yeah. yet? Is it coming out yet? <laughs> I got I to spend a gold nugget to see it. Van Winkle follows the movie the movie tabloids, but misses everything because then yeah. he falls asleep. <laughs> Give me the hot sheet for variety. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to get popcorn for a nickel. Oh, boy. 
Man, we're we're killing it with the impersonation yeah. side. I think Rip Van Winkle turned a little bit into Jimmy Stewart at the end there. Jimmy so, Stewart played a great Rip Van Winkle he did. in uh, that little known comedy. What year is it? Called, what year is it? <laughs> Shoot, what year? It was a musical review. Yep. And it was it was what year is it? Question mark exclamation point. Oh, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, he grew his own beard for that little yeah. known fact. It um, co-starred that polar bear jumping out of a pool. <laughs> exactly. In the gift that we all know and yep. love. <laughs> um, so uh, Tim Burton um, based the movie off of a sort of three-page poem that he wrote um, with the intention of one day turning it into like an animated TV special. And then Disney picked it up and it went through a long development journey, but ultimately it was made into a feature-length film. Um, and it ha- features music by Danny Elfman, who also provides the main character's singing voice and is the best. Yeah, I, honestly, Danny Elfman has a beautiful singing voice. Yeah, and it's so perfect for the character. Oh, yeah. And I think he, I remember reading an interview, he said like this was some of the easiest music he ever wrote and it just feels like deeply felt like this is a composer connected to the material oh yeah i think um the speaking voice for jack skellington is prince humperdinck i believe so which yeah. i find also delightful yeah so so jack skellington main character a plus is just an amalgamation of delightful yeah. folks um but what's he doing you might ask right. well let me tell you a story uh so jack skellington is the pumpkin king of halloween town uh, a fantasy world that's filled to the brim with spooks of all shapes and sizes uh most of the year is spent preparing for halloween and talking about halloween and getting excited about halloween and then they have a really big huge party on Halloween and they go out and help scare all the children of the world but in a, in a good way yeah um, I think that like when I saw the marketing for this movie I mm-hmm. thought it was just scary yeah and I was like no there's no way I want to see this but mm-hmm. then seeing it like as a grown-up I, when I it love, was safe when it was safe I love that Halloween town it's like no we're in the fun of Halloween right. we're not gonna attack kids we're not trying to eat children from under their bed we're just offering them these spooky scares yeah it's very much like Halloween as a game and yes. like a fun thing that yeah. you play and I remember even like I when I went to see it when I was a little kid because for some reason my my parents were really strict about like what movies I could go to see mm-hmm. unless it was a Tim Burton movie. Like Adam's like, Family was the first PG thirteen movie I ever saw. Did in you the go theater. see Batman in the theater? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So that was PG thirteen. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. And Adam's Family was the first PG thirteen I ever saw in the theater. Well, you must not have seen Batman uh, in the theater. Oh, that's that came true. First. But they rented it. Okay. Um, and then we, but you know, I remember Christmas is PG, but I remember feeling the same as you because I am also yeah. not the bravest when it comes to movies. Um, that's and, why we work. Yep. And Lil Walt. Um, uh, was very concerned that this was going to be scary. But like I remember watching it and not getting all of it, but also really having a good time with nice. it. Um, so yeah, they are all about the Halloweens. However, after years and years of the same old routine, Jack is getting pretty bummed out and a little bit bored. He's got some ennui. Ennui. This is like the um, the Hungry Mother team, the restaurant in oh, the Boston yeah. area that There's closed a... because they were just too successful. Yeah, they were doing too well, and yeah. then they closed and opened a new restaurant. Which is also great. Yeah, but Jack Skellington has ennui, or if you were Walt two years ago, NUI. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I read it a lot. Hadn't really used it in a spoken I sentence about that one. until I was talking to Annie, and she made fun of me for literally 20 minutes about it. <laughs> Moving right along. Jack's feeling despondent. 
While wandering despondently in the woods, uh, he encounters a grove of doors um, in trees. Like, each tree has a door in it, each of which has an icon of some kind. Uh, and as he discovers, each one leads to a separate holiday town. Uh, he goes through the Christmas door and discovers Christmas Town, which he absolutely loses his mind over because it is so cool and, and he different. can't believe that it exists. And it's, yeah, it's just super duper different. Um, there's a lovely song about it, sung by, sung by Danny Elfman What's called this? What's, What's This? this? It's, okay. um, it's really good. Uh, so he returns to Halloween Town, a changed skeleton. Uh, he tries to spread the good word of Christmas Town to his co-residents, uh, but they're not really having it. They're not very interested. They don't understand what he's talking about in terms of Halloween. So he sort of retreats to his uh, home and starts trying to like puzzle out the secret of Christmas, uh, much to the chagrin of Sally, a fellow Halloweener who uh, likes him a lot and who is also essentially a Frankenstein. Um, so while she is sort of pining and worrying about him, he finally believes that he has cracked the Christmas code, um, which is coming this fall from Dan Brown. Yep. It's his new novel. It's, yeah. If you look uh, real deep into, um, the Mona Lisa's eyes, you'll see a tiny Santa. Yep. Just a tiny, bitty Santa. <laughs> yep. Oh God. And he's just dancing around <laughs> yeah. in there. He's Ooh. like, please let me out. Please, God. It's been so long. Please, I'm so hungry. But don't do it. Don't. don't. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> this is where Santa Claus and Halloween Town crossover. Uh, but no, it's not because Jack declares that he has figured it all out and he thinks that Christmas Town shouldn't be the only people who get to celebrate Christmas. So he decides that Halloween Town is going to celebrate Christmas instead. He assigns everybody in town a Christmas duty like caroling or making presents or wrapping gifts or whatever. And he decides to ensure that Halloween Town is taking care of things to send um, a few trick-or-treaters named Lockstock and Barrel, voiced by, Pe voiced by Pee Wee Herman. All of them. Um, uh, not the girl. I think the two boys are. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but he sends them to Christmas Town to kidnap Santa Claus, and he wants them to treat him nicely, but they don't. They take him to Oogie Boogie, who is their uh -oh. boss, and the literal boogeyman, who is uh, really awesome and cool and essentially made out of bugs and burlap. Um, Jack, oblivious to all of this happening, uh, departs on his Christmas ta his Christmas ween sleigh uh, and starts to deliver all of the presents that the Halloween Town residents have created to the children of the world, which is a problem because they're all Halloween themed and start like eating kids and scaring them and chasing them around the house, and it's a very very yeah. fun sequence it is and again i think seeing just the marketing from that as a kid then mm -hmm. i was like oh my god i don't want to be worried i thought it was going to be more like gremlins yeah which like is very disturbing absolutely oh, yeah. um but this was this is more like it, oh no there's been a christmas mix-up yeah i know no there's a giant snake chasing the kids around the house but it's like you know you're you, gonna be fine right it's all played for laughs yeah. um no, and in a not mean way yeah nobody's mom gets attacked by a gremlin from the christmas tree yeah and nobody no guys dressed as santa claus get attacked by gremlins. yeah which i left for dead yeah which little annie thought was a real santa oh yeah oh no because i remember I, stumbling on that one on, on cable one night and it was very traumatizing it was so horrible you guys were bad at spookiness okay we're not good at it yeah <laughs> just a little pop of puff yeah um well cozy the world doesn't like Jack's stuff, and so the military gets involved and shoots him out of the sky. Oh, no. Um, and and that's all, all part of that Dan Brown movie. Exactly. It's all part of the Christmas code. Um, yeah. 
He manages to escape uh, and goes back to Halloween Town where he finds out that Santa has been captured by Oogie Boogie uh, and as well as Sally who was trying to rescue him. And so Jack goes and saves them both um, and destroys Oogie Boogie and realizes that maybe he should just leave Christmas to the Christmas professionals um, and gets all sorts of new, cool, good ideas to uh, creatively approach Halloween in the future. And he and Sally uh, live spookily ever after. Um, so yeah, it's a really sweet little ending. Um, and they learn to be happy with what they've got. Um, characters, we got Jack Skellington. He's tall, lanky, and he has sort of a Beetlejuicean style yeah, taste. But better than Beetlejuice. Well, I mean, Beetlejuice is pretty great. No, Jack is better. <laughs> Man, you're not going to like it when we get to the recommendations. Maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got Sally. Uh, she's a Frankenstein. Uh, and I know that technically it's the Frankenstein's monster, but in this movie, it turns out that the real monster is men. Um, because she's got her dad who made her, who's a terrible guy. Who's like a Frankenstein. Yeah, he's a Frankenstein. Person. Person Frankenstein, but with a pull-off brain. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, and then there's Oogie Boogie, who's just not a cool guy either. But he he is awesome. Oh, he's really awesome. He's a great character. Yeah. Um... There is Oogie Boogie. Uh, he is the literal boogeyman. Um, he gets the best song in the whole movie, without a doubt. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, even like What's This is amazing, but like the Oogie Boogie Man song yeah. is just so odd. Like, I, I think there should be like like a figure skating routine set to it. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's a plus level song yeah. in Annie's world. <laughs> that's how you That's how you know yep. you've made it. When I, Annie when wants I to put you in an ice skating routine. Yeah, exactly. Are we going to do some, some axles and swizzles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he's also a compulsive gambler, which is fun. Um, yeah. We've got Lock, Stock, and Barrel, the three trick-or-treater kids. They're more in it for the treat for the tricks than the treats. Um, we've got Dr. Finkelstein, who is the literal Frankenstein father of Sally. He's very possessive of her and not a nice dude. No. Um, Zero, who's Jack's ghost dog. Aw, um, Zero's the best. Yeah, he's real cute, and he has a little Ro- Rudolph nose. Aw. Yeah, it's really adorable. Um, the mayor of Halloween Town, who really just wants everybody in Halloween Town to be happy and to do Halloween-y things. Um, he's a lot of fun. Santa Claus is Santa Claus. Um, and very confused. Yeah, he's got kind of a toot in this movie, which, well, I mean, understandably. Kidnapped. Yeah, he's not happy. Um, and then we've got the residents of Halloween Town. Um, there are like a billion of wonderful ghouls and ghosts and goblins. There's a vampire barbershop quartet oh, they're that floats great. around. Like the creature design of this movie is just spot on. And it really, like we were saying, treads that line of spooky and silly that I think makes Halloween really fun. Um, you never feel threatened by the film, but it's yeah. really imaginative and like fun and dark. Um, so yeah, themes and fun stuff. Um, exactly that. I think you really get immersed in that. That fun Halloween seasonal feeling, despite it also being a Christmas movie. And then when he goes to Christmas Town, it feels Christmassy as heck. Yeah. Um, so it really, I think, gets the the sim- symbolizers of each uh, each holiday. Very yeah. Well. Um, also, you know, some themes that it deals with are learning to love the things that you do. Um, Jack spends all of this time envying other people in Christmas Town and being bored with his own job, um, without without reminding himself of like how fun Halloween Town can be if yeah. you just put the work into it. And so then and he yeah, gets, and think think a little outside the box in your own sphere. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, he gives everybody a memorable Christmas too. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Um, and going along the line of other themes that are a little bit squishy in the middle, um, you sort of are who you are in the Nightmare Before Christmas. 
Christmas. Like you can't fight your true nature, which is, you know, I think the movie is. Well, um, so I'm going to I'm going to go on that and say things I've seen on Tumblr. Ooh. Um, that there was some... the new segment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout out for all my Tumblr people out there. Yeah. Um, there was some post I saw that was like um, the Nightmare Before Christmas is like a great look at cultural appropriation. Oh, yeah. Because Jack, like he's legitimately enthusiastic about it. He doesn't think he's doing anything yeah. wrong. He loves it. He loves it. But that's not his. Yeah. He he thinks he can just take it and do with it as he as he wants. Yeah. But it, it's a total failure. I like that because a lot. He, Yeah. Because he doesn't get the purpose of it. He doesn't mm-hmm. get the history of it. He doesn't take the he time does, to learn it from yeah, their perspective. Exactly. He you. doesn't get the context. Um, yeah. He only thinks about it from his perspective yeah and he and again like it comes from a place of such wonder and joy but he is only thinking about his own wonder and joy yeah that's Um, awesome so yeah i mean it's really you are who you are in terms of like you come at things from a very particular perspective Mm -hmm. and maybe other perspectives aren't yours to appropriate yeah and maybe if he had like tried to collaborate with christmas town on some cool new holiday or something yeah or Or, or just go into christmas town and say hey guys this is awesome like i'm from halloween town let me like, throw some snowballs. Yeah, like this is amazing. Tell me about your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and and not just go immediately to how kidnapping. can I take this? Hmm? <laughs> kidnapping. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> never go immediately to kidnapping. Kidnapping is step five minimum. Yeah, um, like maybe four in extreme circumstances. It's true. If you really, really are in the right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think uh, other things that I love in the movie, um, the visual design and the claymation execution are just stunning. Um, Tim Burton has such a weird visual brain and uh, mm-hmm. Selleck does such a good job of realizing it and sort of giving life to it in really surprising ways. Um, the music is so mm-hmm. delightful. Uh, I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, What's This is on my Christmas playlist. As it should be. Yeah, because it's a really lovely Christmas song because um, it's about somebody discovering Christmas for the first time. So it's delightful. Um, and it's just like the whole movie is just a weird little oddity and it's kind of amazing looking back to think that it even got made um, because it is was marketed and released as a kid's film but it was you know and it was when Tim Burton was kind of at the height of his powers so he could get away with stuff but it's just such a strange little project product and not only did it you know find purchase in the cultural mindset but it's so well executed and it has inspired so many different lines of hot topic merchandise and I I mean I think part of that is again it's got this enormous heart with a like very creepy veneer yeah like but it's like goth light yeah, I, so it's got, yeah, but and like goth feels. Yeah. Like it doesn't what like wallow in kind of the angst of it or the spookiness of it right. or whatever. Um but it it's a world that truly enjoys itself yeah. and, and wants to encourage people to have fun in these holidays, yeah, which just, is great. And it just has fun telling stories. Yeah. And it's one of the few movies that I feel like you can really watch on either holiday. Oh, totally. Works. I, I want to say we did a poll last year on Halloween about whether... It's a Halloween or Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah. And I feel like people voted it as a Christmas movie. Which I or, agree with. Or maybe, maybe no, maybe it was a Halloween movie because I think which maybe I disagree. I disagree yeah. Yeah. Because I think of it very much as a Christmas movie because it's mostly set on Christmas. So we're here to say you're wrong, listeners. Or you're right. But most of you were wrong. (laughs) That was was a silence for them to think about how wrong they were. Maybe don't feel bad. No, no, don't feel bad about it. But you're wrong. 
I mean, you also did vote for the wrong grandmas in our grandma of TV. Oh, yeah. Poll. That's a whole issue for a different different episode. One day we'll just have a settling scores episode where we just, just go at people we for being have, wrong um, in our polls on Twitter. Well, we can, we can have like Abuela from Jane the Virgin versus Hello, um, The Nightmare Before Christmas as a Christmas movie. Yeah. And like no matter what people pick, some one of them will be our right choice. Exactly. We'll just we'll really shoehorn it. It's going to be great. <laughs> Um, but, uh, what do we think about thematic crossovers? Um, so I think both, um, both Jack and Mortimer kind of come to terms with who they are Mm -hmm. and where they're from. Mm -hmm. They find identity. Yeah. And realize that, you know, there, there are limitations. Yeah. And there's a a slight undercurrent that murder is fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I think like, it's like, Hey, look at how good of good and quaint of a time we're having. It's it's wacky. With this violence. Yeah. Like wacky, creepy. It's a, yeah. Wacky, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag wacky, creepy. Yeah. Um, hijinks, lots of hijinks. Oh, such hijinks. Yeah. Misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. Uh, muck-em-ups. Yeah. Um, anything for a joke. Vampires singing Christmas carols. Like, that's, that's joke-ems. Fully, (laughs) joke-em-ups. Fully realized minor characters. Yeah. Who you want to spend more time with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and just really hitting the genre. Yeah, and Frankenstein's. Yeah. I think Frankenstein's, Frankenstein's is, a, is, is an a, eternal is theme. It's a real big theme. Yeah, a very big theme for both of them. Yep. Um, how about a physical world crossover? Is this our first Humans to Claymation? No, we've done another Claymation film before, right? We did Wallace oh. and Gromit. Yes, there we go. I was like, I know we did. but Yeah, but even those were both in Britain. Yes, and... So. Um, I mean, well, uh, obviously, Wallace and Gromit has animal characters, but they don't speak. Right. Whereas these are very fantastical characters. Mm, there's a werewolf and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. How does this uh, how, how does this happen? Do you have thoughts? Um, so, you know, I'm thinking it is it is Halloween uh-huh. um, when everything is going down in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I can see the... Um, Lock, stock, and barrel as like trick or treaters out oh, on sure. the streets of Brooklyn. Um, they see something going on in mm-hmm. the Brewster house. Um, a murder. Yeah, they see murders going on. Yeah. Um, and I think they would they would call on the Oogie Boogie Man mm-hmm. um, to to maybe get in on this action. Oh yeah, maybe the aunts have a gambling parlor or or, or a or, problem or a problem. Yeah, probably a problem. They play a lot of euchre, I bet. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you've you've alluded to some causality throughout talking about uh, about uh, arsenic and old lace because you you mentioned multiple times that it is in fact a door slamming farce. Yeah. And how do you They're get to true. Halloween Town? A door. Yeah. So I think one of those door slams a little too hard and mortimer opens up a portal we yeah, love portals here at crossover appeal this is a portal fantasy oh yeah oh yeah um so yeah i think that like you know the worlds merge through the the slam of a perfectly humorously timed door yeah and suddenly we got we got aunts in halloween town we yeah. got lock stock and barrel trick-or-treating yeah we got sally and dr finkelstein making meeting up with frankenstein and dr einstein and dr einstein and they're probably like swapping notes let's be yeah, honest exactly yeah absolutely um and yeah so then i mean how how are the aunts going to react to this new scenario? Like, do they will they see Halloween Town as something that's delightful and that they want to enjoy, or is something that needs fixing? Well, see, I think they would see it as something that needs fixing because even though they have like murdered a dozen people, uh-huh. um, they 
do not put up with shenanigans. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're they're very prim and proper. Yeah. In addition to being murderers, Halloween Town um, is shenanigans. Yeah, central. exactly. It's big shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So I think that they would they would see it as. Um, like we, you know, these are kids run amok. Yeah, and like this is inappropriate. They need discipline. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't think they're like mean to kids. No. They're not killing kids. Oh no, 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 oh no! I don't think they're going to kill the kids, no. but they need to put them in line. Yeah, I think they probably kill Oogie Boogie, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if that's like accidental. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I think like, I don't know, just because I've always wondered in watching Nightmare Before Christmas, you know, Jack sees. Christmas Town Door and then there's Easter and he goes into Easter briefly and pops out but there's like other holidays and I feel like in the spirit of the creation and unification provided by the Panama Canal I feel like Teddy yeah. starts trying to connect all of these worlds and he's trying to dig canals through all of these doors and, and so, yeah you I know, can see that you know, things are running amok oh man so even more holidays even more holidays so so Santa would show up again oh absolutely and he's not happy no and he's you. like Jonathan you have not been a good boy that's true not uh you're coming back to Christmas town and yeah. working it off in the mines yeah, those coal mines <laughs> oh that's right yeah. he needs to have a coal mine yeah right and that's for like the next that's level back dark. yeah but yeah I think that like it's a fun like spillover and then meanwhile I think in Brooklyn um, mm-hmm. which is the Halloween town of, US, of the United oh, States of, of America um I think you get like, you know, the lock, stock and barrel running around. Yeah. You've got the cops trying to catch these ghosties and ghoulies yeah. that are scrambling everywhere. Yeah. You know, there's a werewolf and they don't have silver bullets. So No, least... I mean, he would fit right in in Brooklyn. It's true. He's, he's got, got his, flannel. He's got his flannel. He's got a beard. Yeah, he was lumberjacking it before yeah, that was a thing. He needs just a uh, homebrew and he is good oh, to go. Man. I bet he's got one. Oh, I bet. <laughs> it's probably glows green. It's blood. It's actually it's blood. It's just blood. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I think it's a fun little... Uh, yeah chaos chaos world yeah and i think ultimately um like jack and mortimer have to use like the power of performance in some way Ooh, yeah to go like, on well because you know like mortimer understands how plays work and he's yeah. like we need to figure out like what a satisfying climax will be mm-hmm. um and jack is all about like this is halloween we need to like do it up. There needs to be a big finale. There needs to be a big finale. Yeah. So, oh, and you know, there is the argument to be made: Does Mortimer realize what is happening, or does he think that this is some kind of weird immersive production that someone is staging oh, around him, searching for a good kind of review. like a um, a sleep no more? Yeah, he thing. thinks you know because he's in Brooklyn. Yeah, he's right. seeing some he's experimental like, stuff. Oh, totally. Um, so yeah, I think maybe he spends the whole time thinking that this is just a play, and he's like going along with it, like, oh yeah, we need to solve everything, but he doesn't realize that it's actually yeah. Halloween Town. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and like he needs to save his aunts from Halloween Town. Yeah, inside. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I like it. I think yeah. so. We've got I think a good solid scenario to get yeah, into some games so. off of this. Um, feeling any kiss your faces? Um, there aren't a lot of yeah, kissable people in Halloween Town. Like yeah. Jack and Sally are, and even together. like yeah, Mortimer and Elaine are. Oh, maybe one of the aunts and the mayor. Oh, yeah, I can see He's that. He's got two faces. That's true. There you go. Double aunts. Yeah. That's, that's how they That's resolve. not creepy at all. No, not at all. Well, it's it's fun creepy. Fun creepy. <laughs> um, although, I do wonder, is he sad and alone? Because then the aunts definitely would take him out. I think it's like one of those things. It's like the end of Sugar. I guess. Where it ends and they're like, and he, it's like, oh, all three of us are so happy. And they're like, for now. And then the camera Wink. irises yeah, out right. and that's the credits. Yep. Like that's, yeah. It's, we know where this is headed. Yeah. But he'd also probably like being poisoned. 
Halloween. That's cat. true, actually. Yeah. yeah. And at least for now, he's productive. He has a job. He has friends. He's not lonely. Right. He's out so there. So he's safe for now. Exactly. For now. For now. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, uh, who else? Yeah. There's no, I mean, there's the cops. Yeah. Um, Maybe they hook up with the barber vampire barbershop quartet. Oh yeah, they form like, a, a sextet. Six sort, people. Yeah. Oh, well, I thought you were gonna go somewhere else. With oh that. no, I know. I I, feel, I I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh wow. A septet. There we go. Or yeah, an, that's or an true. octet. Yeah. I don't know how many cops there are. Um, three. I remember. Septet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, let's say that you know. Yeah, they're all singing. They're all singing. Yeah. And. and um, Living their lives. Living their lives. <laughs> Maybe Jonathan and the Wolfman end up running off together. That would be nice. And oh, because then, then he's like Frankenstein and the Wolfman. It's like a, a um. And then Abbott and show up, and actually, they're like, "How do we get into this oh, crossover?" I'm going to say that this is not in my recommendations, but it should be because Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein mm-hmm. is a great door farcy. Oh yeah, Halloweeny thing that yeah. we used to watch a lot as a kid, and I'm sure it was terrible, but like. Terrible that, and terribly delightful. Terribly delightful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the two of them, we get Frankenstein and the Wolfman. Yeah. And then I think we get Dr. Einstein and Dr. Finkelstein. I Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say they're their best buddies. They're best buddies. Yeah. yeah. I think because they've got a lot of notes to share. Yeah. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think um, Sally and Elaine are also best buddies. Yes. Because they, they're girls who are like, what is my man doing? They're just trying to be reasonable. Oh, please, dear in God. In a world of unreason. Don't, why, don't mess this up. Yeah, please, please. This is so easy. We're so forgiving. We're so close. You have to, to understand. Happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very forgiving women. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas, like the minor characters are delightful, but don't get hugely developed. Yeah. Um, what about Teddy? Let's let's oh, Teddy. let's match him up somehow. Yeah. Oh well. There's that. Um. There's the little boy ghoul who like has an axe in the back of his head. Um. He's like in a stripy shirt and jeans, and mm-hmm. he runs and rolls around a lot. He's very like roly poly. Okay. And I feel like he and Teddy would be a fun match. Like they have the same energy, a similar okay. energy level. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Actually, what about um Teddy and Santa? <gasps> Teddy and Santa. Yeah. Cause yeah, Teddy's unifying everything. Yeah, and, and Teddy Santa- um. You know, he he thinks of himself as a force for good. Yeah, exactly. I think, and yeah, I think that he's a very innocent, he's an innocent. Yeah. Um, So I think that Santa would would probably, I don't know, take him to whatever Teddy Roosevelt's favorite holiday was. Aw, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like Fourth of July? I don't know. Sure, why not? Yeah. America! Yep. (laughs) There it is. Um, Yeah, I like those as best buddies. Um, I think anybody else that we haven't dealt with yet? Um, Zero. Oh, maybe um, Teddy and Zero, too. Oh, yeah. He adopts Zero. Yeah. Because I feel like if anyone, any president's going to have a Rudolph ghost dog, it's going to be Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. And he'll be able to, to talk to it, probably. Because yeah. I bet Teddy yeah, Teddy Roosevelt could talk to animals, right? Yeah. Well, he didn't shoot that bear that time. That's true. Yeah, I think he shot a lot of other things. The bear was probably like, please don't shoot me. And Teddy was like, you're the one. Tell your friends. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Tell, Tell them, them what all. you've seen here. <laughs> oh, man. Teddy Roosevelt, darker than you might think. Um, but yeah, I like this crossover. Yeah, me too. It's just a fun, like, I feel like I, I want, like, a big Where's Waldo style, like, drawing of yeah. this. Yeah, like, oh, all totally. Of the different mischief that these, yeah. these things are getting Yeah, like into. everything in the neighborhood and then in the house. Yeah, there's huh. something strange in the neighborhood. Who are you going to call? Something weird. Don't look good. No. That's for a future Halloween yeah. episode, maybe. Yeah, exactly. We'll hold that one in our backpack. Yeah, then. exactly. And you, and we won't tell you which one it was. <laughs> yep. If you can piece together our clues. Ooh. I know. 
But uh, any on our our very spooky, I guess immediately post Halloween or no, we're releasing this before Halloween. Yeah, so in the run up to Halloween. Yeah, oh yeah, you can't release a holiday episode after the holiday. No, it's not because by that point you're like, I don't care anymore. People need to know how to properly celebrate. Exactly, and they can do so by maybe engaging with some media that's a little bit like arsenic and old lace. That's true. Um, so this one is not the spookies, but um, for more old timey comedy with plays made into movies. Try uh, The Philadelphia Story, also a film version starring Cary Grant about a woman on the verge of remarriage with when her ex-husband shows up for the weekend. It's Yar. Yeah, also Yar. Um, his Girl Friday, or the play The Front Page, about a newspaper editor and his top girl reporter, who's also his ex, also starring Cary Grant. He was very good at this kind of yeah, movie. Yeah, he was impeccable. Yeah. It's like he has perfect comic timing. Yeah. He had some of the best timing of any actor, I think. Yeah, oh yeah, and he's like a very, I mean, he was like in the circus or something. Yeah. Like, and he was, so he's very physical, like he's mm-hmm. very aware of his body, but he also looks so suave. Yeah, and like dignified. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Oh, Cary Grant, we love you. Um, there's You Can't Take It With You, also a film version directed by Frank Capra, featuring a lovable, wacky family. Yeah, like that one feels like the closest to Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah, it really, it, without the murder. Yeah. That's basically it. And with fireworks. Yeah. Um, and there's Harvey, also a play that was made into movie. My a movie. favorite. Yeah. Um, and, and that one has the combination of like real world meets fantasy. Um, even though I guess Arsenic and Old Lace is like real world meets horror, mm-hmm. this is fantasy as a man insists that his best friend is a six foot tall rabbit um and i think that elwood and teddy would be friends they would be absolute friends yeah elwood p dow oh Mm. um noises off which is a farce about a play within a play um which i actually haven't seen oh it's brilliant yeah exactly people say that yeah it's great it's um so i felt like i had to include it it's very very hard to execute because the first act is set on the stage of the show in for, in final rehearsal. The second act is set backstage on the set for during a performance. And then, so it's mostly silent. Um, and then the third act is set both, uh, both on stage and backstage. And it's just like the timing of it is like, you need people to be able to fall down the stairs with timing and preci- precise enough to fire off other lines. Oh, like man. It's so good when it's done well. Um, so that one will probably not be on the community theater circuit. Probably not. No. I mean, unless they have really good liability insurance. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, for more dark family comedies, um, The Addams Family, um, comic movies, TV show, whatever, the medium, they've got the market cornered on a lovable family who is seriously twisted. Amen. Um, the Munsters is a sitcom that aired at the same time as The Addams Family about a family of monsters who kind of don't realize they're any different than anyone else. I always preferred The Munsters growing up. Me too! I don't know that it was better. I don't think it was. No. I think it was probably worse. It's probably more kid accessible though. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. But I also, I loved the fact that they were just such an adorable, charming family yeah. who had no idea, who were no, had no idea that they were monsters. Exactly. Um, and it's, um, what's his name? Um, Edward Herman. Oh yeah, uh, who was Frankenstein and then Frankenstein? Um, no, no, that was Peter Boyle. Yeah, um, um, this is the guy who's the judge in My Cousin Benny. That's right. Uh, that guy. That guy. He was great. Yeah, he, he was, was wonderful. a wonderful Herman monster. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Pushing Daisies about a man who can bring the dead back to life with one touch, including his childhood sweetheart. They solve solve crimes. Also featured in a previous episode of Crossover Appeal. Yeah, so you should check out the crossover back of Pushing catalog. Yeah, Pushing Daisies meets Angels in America. Um, there's Community, which is a TV series about a study group at a community college. 
Um, the show has a lot of fun with genre, and they balance some dark stuff with really clever comedy. Um, like and like, I, I think I was thinking in particular of like the paintball episode and the oh, zombie yeah. episodes. I like, can see that they feel very like farcical in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's it's a more traditional yeah. sitcom, they pay a lot of attention to storytelling structures. Yeah. Um, and just watch the first few seasons and you're good. Yeah, I think up to season like three is fine. Yeah. Um, there's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is my ideal balance of like truly awkward, bad decision making and hilarious, wacky world building. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hot Fuzz because Yay. it's the greatest comedic movie of all time. And because it has that balance of deeply disturbing and totally adorable. Yeah. Like the aunts would be right at home in the village. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they would be perfect. Yeah, because they would just be like, oh, no, these, we need to take people out. Yeah, the greater good. It's the greater, the greater good. good. They, could e- they could even complete their own greater good saying. That's true. Yeah. The greater good. The greater, greater good. good. <laughs> um, and also, you can listen to our crossover of Hot Fuzz and the We Free Men. Oh, that's right. So we've got a lot of back catalog. Mm-hmm. A lot of, lot of deep cuts for yeah. ref- people's reference. Um, so, yeah, what about the Nightmare Before Christmas? Nightmare Before Christmas recommendations are fairly easy um, because Tim Burton is essentially a genre unto himself at this point. Um, so really any early Tim Burton movie is going to scratch a similar itch to The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, some personal favorites, uh, Edward Scissorhands, The Addams Family. This may be, be the first time that our recommendations have crossed over. Yeah, seriously. Everything's q The Addams Family truly is the combination of the two. And yeah. I didn't know that he had directed the movie. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and it's great. Um, there's Beetlejuice, which I love. Annie has ambivalent feelings about. Well, I think I saw it when I was like five. I didn't like the shrimp hands. I didn't like the shrimp hands. I did not eat shrimp for like three years after that. It has such a good Catherine O'Hara performance in it, though. I forgot that was Catherine O'Hara. And she is the voice of Sally. Yes, I did know that. So um, I'm a big fan of Catherine O'Hara. I just... I don't like the Beetlejuice thing, and I don't like that you can call him. He's an agent of chaos. He's an agent You're of not chaos. A fan. No, <laughs> get that chaos muppet out of my life. Get it gone. Um, we've got the Batman's uh, Batman and Batman Returns. Um, I I kind of prefer Batman Returns. It is way more bonkers than Batman. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I just I think because it's just so much more willing to be absolutely insane. That's a Christmas movie. It is. Weirdly enough. Yeah. And then David I mean, DeVito bites Michelle the guy's Pfeiffer nose off. is a delight. She is really, she, she is living it up. She is. And like, that's, that is more what I want from Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Although, frankly, Eartha Kitt is Catwoman. Well, she is Don't even try. Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, we got Pee Wee's Big Adventure. We've got Mars Attacks, which people are mixed on, but I really enjoy. I also, I'm not mixed on Pee Wee Herman. I just don't like him. That's fair. Also another chaos agent. I didn't like that he was a grown-up who acted like a child. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. No, as a kid, I was like, I don't trust this. Yeah. Act like a grown-up because you are a grown-up. Mm-hmm. You were demanding fealty to reality. Um, but actually, I think one of the cr- the closest crossovers like to Nightmare, as far as tone-wise, I would say is Sleepy Hollow with, uh, with Tim Burton. I disagree. Really? Yeah, because Sleepy Hollow is legit scary. But I feel like it is it tilts more into the horror side, but it is a blend of horror and comedy. Like I mean, it has like a few comedic moments. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a pretty committed to the horror. True, I had a lot of fun watching it. I enjoy it. However, it's Johnny Depp, and I have mixed feelings about him now. Christina so, Ricci's great. She's wonderful in it. Um, I would say stay away from late Tim Burton. Anything after Planet of the Apes. Um, Except for Corpse Bride and Big Fish is just not worth your time. I guess Corpse Bride really. I think that yeah. is the big. Character. I mean, that's basically yeah. him returning to the same well 
uh, with uh, okay results, I think. It's a pretty good well. Yeah, I would say. Well, well, well. I would say uh, some other off-kilter animations, uh, especially stop motion. James and the Giant Peach is the easiest recommendation. Oh, that's a great one. It is also oh. directed by Selleck and produced by Burden. It is really the closest appro- like replication of the visual style of Nightmare Before Christmas. And yeah. it's really, really fun. It, it's, and honestly, it's got beautiful music. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of heart. And as someone who doesn't like bugs, these bugs are great. Yeah, they're worth hanging out with. Um, Coraline, uh, oh, di- yeah. directed by Harry, Henry Selleck as well. Um, I feel like Studio Leica has really sort of stepped into the creepy fun stop animation mm-hmm. space uh, that Nightmare Before Christmas carved out. Um, so another great one by them is Kubo and the Two Strings, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and um, Charlize Theron does a great job in it. She that. does a wonderful job in it. Um, and then there's Paranorman, which I have not seen but have heard is good. It's sort of very much in the same vein as Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, and then I'll put another record. I know I've wrecked it before, but for World of Tomorrow, the Don Hertzfeld animated short film uh it's like 20 minutes long and it's it it has a very tim burtony feel to it as far as like very warm very open-hearted but like a little bit cynical and like off-kilter humor um world of tomorrow is it's one of the most beautiful movies i've ever seen um and there's a sequel coming out so get excited everybody Mm -hmm. uh and it's like 20 minutes long so go check it out but uh but yeah any i think that's i think yeah the only one i was thinking of was would be um uh, spirited away in a, a little because, bit like i feel like it's a world that seems very menacing from the yeah. outside but they're actually very good natured inside yeah it's like if someone from christmas town had stumbled into halloween town yeah like away. oh exactly like there's a logic to this world yeah and they're not trying to do you harm mm-hmm. um even though they're scary and they have their own logic and they kind of don't care if you're yeah I like that. Or there. So yeah, that was the only other one that I could really think of. Um, but I think these are these are all great recommendations. I like it. Well, we've done it. We've unleashed a wolfman in Brooklyn. Yeah, werewolves uh, of Brooklyn. Werewolves of Brooklyn. Ow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm ready for Halloween. Yeah, me I'm too. Eat some candy. Yeah. Gonna hopefully get some trick or treaters. I hope so. We, we only had one group last year. Yeah. Um, so, hoping that we get some more this year. I know. I know we've got some kids down the street, but yeah. We did get a lot of leftover candy out of that Halloween. So I that know, that wasn't okay. so bad. Yeah. I, I did buy fewer bags this year. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we hope that you all have plenty of bags of candy um, and tell us about what kinds you like. Uh, yeah. And you can do so. Well, first, you can check out all of those back catalog references we were making yeah. by visiting our podcast at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. Um, you can email us with your thoughts about... Um, werewolves of Brooklyn and what kind of candy they eat at oh, uh, crossover reveal podcast at gmail.com that's a really good question I don't think it would be anything with caramel because it would, it would get stuck in their teeth yeah, they really got to take care of those yeah. chompers um, I'm trying to think like would they be a fruit or a chocolate um, I think maybe like a mounds bar or something yeah because it's got that like meaty t- and it's protein and coconut. because you know if you're a werewolf sometimes you feel like a nut but sometimes you don't. Sometimes not. Yeah. They, they need that kind of choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can post your favorite werewolf-themed candy bar ad on yeah. our Facebook page at Crossover Appeal Podcast. You can uh, tweet us at, with the video of Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Just endlessly. Just, as many yeah, times as you that's want. That's all I sing in December. Yes. Actually, that's incorrect. There are a lot of Halloween songs I like. In December? 
in December, whatever, October. <laughs> We're here. It's Halloween all the time. He's taking Walt. over Christmas Town. Yep. Um, I read a very interesting point made a few day, a little while ago, which is Monster Mash. Yep. No, not oh, yeah. explicitly set on Halloween. Yeah, it's just I was working in the lab late right, one late one night. It's an every. I mean, what it's is an it like? Finals? Song. Is yeah. it like May, June? Right. Maybe his grant funding was about to run out at the end of the oh, fiscal no. year. <laughs> trying to get it, get it oh, crammed no. out. Snakes. Hey everybody, it's Walt speaking of trying to get things crammed out. Uh, sorry for the interruption, but we had a weird audio issue at the end of this episode where our tracks started doubling over each other and getting a strange echo effect. Um, it was, in fact, very spooky. So we like to think our audio equipment was just getting in the Halloween spirit. Um, we figured there was only a little bit left of the episode, though, so uh, we would just go ahead and record this little note to let you know. Um, please, 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 if you get a chance, uh, leave us a rating and uh, feel free to subscribe to the show so that you can always get the most recent updates. Um, but this is going to do it for us. We hope you enjoyed our special spooky Halloween episode. Have a wonderful holiday, and we'll see you back in two weeks. Um, we are reminding you, as always, to, and this is where Annie would say, please ship responsibly.